Hello, and welcome to the Agape House of Worship weekly podcast. Through this podcast, we hope and pray that you will be equipped and empowered to live the life that God has planned for you. If you are blessed by this message and would like more information, please visit our website at www.agapehousenj.org. Thank you and God bless. And I'm ready to receive. I'm ready to be blessed. The word of God is my life. I believe it. I receive it. I obey it. I walk in it. And I'm blessed by it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father, speak your word today. Minister to us. Change our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Today I'm going to be speaking on what I call faith memory. I struggle. I didn't even know know what to title it. I know the message, but sometimes coming up with a title can be more work. I spent so much work trying to come up with a title. But you will get the message because I believe God gave me this message and it's a very, very powerful message. I want us to read Psalm 103 verse 1 and 2 together. It should be on on the screen. Psalm 103, verses 1 and 2. Let's read it together. 1, 2, go. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. It's a very interesting uh, passage of the scripture because it looks like the man is talking to himself, right? You know, so I, you know, try to practicalize that he's talking to himself and he's writing it, writing it down. It's like a, you know, it's like a, a, a poem, you know, inspired by the Holy Spirit. But this is David who wrote this. And I believe that he's, I mean, he's speaking to himself here, very, very powerful. He's telling his soul. So he talking to his soul. His soul. And I love the last uh, phrase. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefit. I mean, why is he talking? Why is he commanding or talking to his soul not to forget the Lord's benefit? It is because it is very easy to forget the Lord's benefit. In fact, positive experiences, I realize, are easier to forget than negative ones. You know, if you look at it, and I think about even me, me and my, for example, my, my siblings, when we gather together and we try to, when we talk about our childhood, we always remember those negative things more. The details of them, they just stand out more. You know, when someone's finger got crushed by the door, you know, when someone fell, you know, and we had to rush them to the hospital, you know, all those negative things, they are very more memorable. They are more memorable. The good things, even when we remember them, they are fuzzy. They are not as clear, you know. But positive experiences, they are very easy to forget, a lot easier to forget. I'm sure it's the same thing with you, you know, when you think about, you know, things in your life. And that's, that's, that's very sad, you know, to just know that somehow we forget positive experiences very easily. And negative ones we remember very easily. It's interesting. And I found out that 
It is not strange to me alone. It is not peculiar. It is actually a psychological, it's a phenomenon, maybe even biological in some ways. And a lot of research has been done about this. And it's very, very intriguing if you look at it. For example, there's a professor called Clifford Nass from Stanford University who came out, who did some research on this. And he actually said, our brain handles positive and negative information in different hemispheres. So even a part of the brain, there are different parts of the brain handling different parts of information. So he says negative emotions, they generally involve more thinking and the information is processed more thoroughly than positive ones. Isn't that amazing? But they actually authored uh, a book out of this called The Man Who Lied to His Laptop. All right? So he says somehow our brain, because of the way it's wired, tend to ruminate more on unpleasant events. And we tend to use stronger words to describe unpleasant events or negative events than we do happy ones. So oftentimes, those negative events, they stay more, they are stronger in our mind and in our memory than positive ones. That's very, very sad to know. There's another research done by a professor at Florida State University, Roy, by Muster. And he concluded that bad emotions, bad parents, bad feedback, they have more impact than good ones. Bad impressions, bad stereotypes, they are quicker to form and more resistant to disconfirmation than good ones. You know, so usually... The effect of bad parenting is a lot stronger than the effect of good ones. I mean, you have to be three times as good sometimes to cancel the effect of bad, you know, parenting or bad choices. So also are impressions. You know, when you, when you start with someone with a very negative, when you start with a negative impression of someone, it is a lot difficult to change. In fact, it is a lot easier to destroy a positive impression than, you know, to destroy a negative impression. When you start on a, when your date starts on a wrong foot, it is a lot much difficult to make it up. But even when the date starts right, it is a lot quicker to mess it up. So somehow, positive, I mean, negative is a lot stronger than negative. In fact, Roy and his, his partner, they came up with a joint article titled, Bad is Stronger Than Good. Because that's, that's just what the research shows. And I want you to think about it also. That losing money has, it has a greater impact than winning money. Let me put it this way. The upset you have from losing, the intensity of your upset when you lose $100, is actually more than the intensity of the joy that you have when you gain $100. I mean, they're not the same. Did you get that? The, the hurt that you experience by being abandoned by a friend is a lot stronger than the joy you experience that, from gaining one friend. 
They don't always cancel each other. You would think they should cancel each other. If you lose a friend and you gain a friend, you should just be fine. Now, you probably have to gain 10 friends to overcome the effect of, of losing a friend. So also is the impact of criticism. That when we receive negative criticism, the impact is stronger than praise. Now you can do a presentation or do a preaching or do something and 10 people come to you and just tell you how wonderful you are and one person will tell you how awful you did. 10 weeks after, you won't even remember the people that came and said how great you are, right? But the one that told you how awful you are is what stays. Isn't Isn't that amazing? And that's, that's something that we deal with. There's another point in the research I've seen. Somehow, we tend to see negative things or negative people or people who say negative things. Our mind tends to see them as smarter than those who say positive things. And that's why somehow our brain gives more weight to it. For example... Then people come, they say great things about you. The person that criticizes you appears to be smarter. Most likely they use stronger languages. Somehow your brain takes their own criticism as having more weight than even all the praises of others. So these are researches that have been done that really, really, really affect how we live our lives, especially our faith. And that's what I want to talk about today. When it comes to faith, when it comes to quality of our Christian work, our natural inclination is not an ally. It is an enemy. That's really what I want you to get today. Because of the way our brain is wired, our mind functions, when it comes to faith life, we cannot rely on our natural inclination. We have to walk against that natural inclination to be able to maintain a life of faith. And it's important because faith relies on positive memories, right? Fear relies on negative memory, right? The reason why we fear is, you know, we remember they have negative memory. Things that have gone wrong, they stay longer. And that's why the power of fear tends to be more intense than faith. That is why it is a lot easier to walk in fear than to walk in faith. Romans 8.6 kind of summarizes God's position on this. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. When we say flesh, we just say natural inclination. All right? When my mind is governed by my natural inclination, I am going to end up in death. I am going to end up with everything negative. But when I allow my mind to be governed by the Holy Spirit, by the Word of God, I am going to experience life. And that's what, I'm, that's what I want you to get that. That if you do nothing, 
If you're not diligent in working on your mind, if you're not diligent in counteracting those, you know, those, those, the natural tendency of your mind, of the way things flow, you are not going to experience a lot of good things from God. You're not going to be, be, be able to benefit a lot of things that God has for you. You will miss out on them because you will not be working in faith. You will be working in fear. And anyone who does not work in faith cannot please God. You know, because without faith, it is impossible to please God. And the devil will take advantage of you because fear is his operative word. Praise the name of Jesus. So what must I do? I must learn to remember my good experiences. I must learn to say, like David, forget not the Lord's benefit. I must learn to speak to myself. I must be intentional. David was here, King David here was being intentional, was working against his natural inclination, was being intentional about speaking to himself to say, look, do not, do not forget the Lord's benefit. Because very soon, something negative will happen and that will overcrowd or crowd the great things that have been happening in our life. How many of us have defined our life by one negative experience? And when we have myriad of positive ones that we don't, even, we don't even think of. That's the problem. Now I remember why, I, I understand why the Lord was so adamant in telling the children of Israel about remembering the good things that he has done. Especially when you look at the book of Deuteronomy, which is like a, a, a speech, final valedictory speech being made by Moses and the writers, there was constant reminder not to forget. There was constant reminder. In fact, now I understand why there was always a command to build a monument around what God does, Right? To build a monument, to, to, create, um, to create feasts, right? To create uh, cycles, you know, to create holidays around every major thing that happened in the life of the children of Israel. And the Lord will say, it is so that you can remember. Because I know you are going to get to the land you are going, and you are going to forget. You are going to get, life will just come, things will happen, something will happen, you are going to forget because it is a lot easier to forget God's goodness or positive experiences than bad ones. Let's look at a few of those scriptures. Look at a few of those scriptures. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 23. Can we all read them together? I think it will help us. Let's read them together. Deuteronomy 4, 23 should be on the screen. Let's go one, two. So watch yourself that you do not forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make for your, yourself a graven image in the form of anything against which the Lord your God has commanded. So don't forget, because the enemy will come and tell you, that's not why it happened. It will try and give you a different memory of what happened. It will give you a different reason. I don't want you to forget. Let's read Deuteronomy 
6, 12. Chapter 6, verse 12. Let's go. 1, 2. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Don't forget that it's God that did it. Let's read another one. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know that what is in your heart, whether or not you will keep his command. Just remember how the Lord led you. And Jesus also knew that it is, all, it is going to be easy for us to remember his sacrifice. He told us in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four. Let's read it together. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this. Remembrance. He gave us the Holy Communion to do it, to bring that feeling. So we always remember. We always remember. Because that is needed for us to be able to walk with him. So why is it that important? It's important because our salvation depends on our memory of the gospel. Salvation. Our salvation. Let's I'll read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 and 2. Say, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you. I want you to say, I want to remind you. Just listen to me now. I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, and on which you have taken your stand. Now, he's talking to believers here. He said, I want to remind you of the gospel. And in verse 2, he said, by this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise, you have believed in vain. If you read the New I mean, the King James Version says, by this gospel you are saved if you keep in memory the word I preach to you. Even salvation depends on our ability to keep in memory you know, what God has saved because oftentimes it gets convoluted. Oftentimes we forget. We forget what God has saved. We forgot we were saved by faith, not by works. You know, we forgot the sacrifices. We forgot what brought us to, you know, to, to know him. You know, we forget very, very easily. So our salvation is very is linked to our ability to keep that memory fresh. The memory of what God has saved. You know, if many of us, if we can keep, you know, the memory, the experience of how we came to know the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, we're always going to be passionate for him. But after a while, we forget. We take it for granted. You know, we just, uh, oh, yeah, you know, is he, is he not there? So I'm not, I've passed that stage. I'm not that, you know, a fanatic anymore. I'm not this anymore. I mean, we, you know, I take it easy now. You know, I, I can say my prayer. God doesn't need uh, this long prayer. Once I can do this, I do the God here. Even before I pray, he understands. You know, God had those days when we were young. We can just go on and on. You know, we justify those what has happened is you've lost your passion. You've forgotten. You've forgotten how you rescued you, how, you, how, you, how he came to you, how he saved you, what he saved you from. You've forgotten that. And our salvation, it depends on that. Praise the name of Jesus. Also, our faith requires the memory of God's goodness. 
we overcame by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, our salvation. I mean, our faith requires that. It requires us constantly keeping in memory how God has been good. Many of us, if we think about the year now, the two things that will stand out to you are the two things that the Lord didn't do. Right? I mean, but you forget about the 20 things he's done for you this year. If you can sit down and really, really think how he saved you, how he delivered you from accident, I mean, from so many things, how many misses? You know, how many misses? All those things he did for you, just, you know, just. But those ones won't even stay. And that's why when Jesus healed the leper, that's why he made a big deal about the one that came back. I mean, that, that, you know, they, they got healed and they just went home. And he got home and like, wait a minute. I mean, that, now I'm not bound anymore. Now I can do whatever I want. Now, this thing is serious. This, thing, it's not, I mean, this is serious. And he went, and you know, it's not that you can call Jesus on the phone. It's not that after the healing, he said, can, can I get your business card? And Jesus gave him the call or text. No, 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 no. You have to look for him in those days. And you can't even call your friends. Where is he now? You know, and the number, somebody is posting on Facebook. Oh, yeah, Jesus is bubbling in, uh, you know, in Linden train station. Where are we, Jesus? And you quickly go there. No, you got to be, you got to be moving around town. Hearing rumors. He's here now. He's here now. So it's a lot of work. So actually... Go back after he sank in that this is a big deal. The rest forgot. And he went to Jesus and said, thank you. I mean, I just, I really, I didn't thank you enough. And Jesus said, we are not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? <laughs> Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, this is the definition of faith. Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. I want to ask you, are you the one or are you denying? Are you denying? We'll just quickly forget. It's like, oh, yeah, it's no big deal. I woke up this morning. Our brother's testimony, that was powerful, right? The next thing I said, the first thing I said, next time you're going to do surgery, it's a big deal. Some people need to pray for you. There's no routine surgery, right? There's no routine surgery. Woke up six days later. Where have I been? The first time we went, we went to see him the next day when we were told. It was gone, 100% oxygen. We prayed, my wife and I prayed for like an hour, just prayed, just prayed, just prayed, and crying on God, crying on God, crying on God. His life is a gift. If you woke up this morning, it's a big deal. It is a big deal. Don't make it casual. Don't think, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, No, 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 no. You woke up, you can come here. It is a big deal. Praise the name of Jesus. So this guy decided, this is a big deal. This healing is a big deal. I'm going to go back 
and I'm going to say thank you. And that's why we must find ways to maintain, retain the memory of God's goodness. Many of you have been in situations before where you had no, you, you lack. You are, you are wondering how you are going to survive. If you can look, maybe you are a student paying your school fees. And it looked like, was this going to work? Now, years later, you are doing fine. You have a great job, a nice car. And you think it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. It is a big deal. We were having a conversation on, on Friday. At the office, we were just having lunch. And we were talking about, I think uh, David was asking questions about, you know, what's, what's the big deal about even praying over your meal? You know, every time, you know, is, is, it really, is it really compulsory paying over meal? You know, I said, well, to me it is. I don't, it's because every meal is a big deal. Because I could remember a time when I could not afford eating three times every day. I could, I remember. that I had to figure out how to time my food. You know, my feeding, Yeah. I was telling him this story. He couldn't believe it. He said, yeah, I, I went through. You eat your, 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 your breakfast at 12, like 11.55. <laughs> Still count as breakfast, right? 11.55. And you shift the dinner to you know, like 6 or 7. Then, you know, you are good. You are balanced. And drink a lot of water in between. When I remember that, every food is a big deal. I mean, so I said, Lord, I thank you. I mean, and now I just need to think about it, and I get it. I mean, I saw it's, I mean, it's like whatever I want to eat now, how much can it cost? How much? That's how much. Isn't that, isn't that our story, many of us? That's how much can it cost? But it, to billions of people, you know, it's a big deal. Be, I mean, be, I'm not talking about a few thousand people. Billions of people. I mean, there was a story I once read that Bill Gates went, went to India, one of these remote parts of India, where just went there, and he was doing his charity thing, and just met this old lady, and they were having conversation, just talk, just talk. Of course, reporters were there. And after he walked away, reporters went to the woman and said, you just spoke to the richest man on earth. And the guy said, what difference? Everybody in America is rich. What, you know, what's, I mean, what, what, what difference does it? But those of us who are here, that's, why we are, that's how we are seen by some other people. We can afford most things, right? Somebody said, yeah, I remember I was still in Nigeria, living in Nigeria years ago. And I went to a, visit a family with uh, a friend of mine, and they were having a conversation. They had a son or so who was living in the U.S., who had forgotten, could, couldn't keep perspective, and was talking about how things were so hard for him. And he said, oh, things have been so hard, I have no money. In fact, I've been eating chicken for the last three weeks. <laughs> I mean, I could not understand it. I mean, it was like, <laughs> I could not. I was messed up completely. <laughs> I mean, Eating chicken for three weeks is the definition of poverty. 
is the definition of lack. I want that lack. I want that. But yes, now I understand it better. I can't, I can't stand eating chicken for three weeks. Even three days, I'm going to complain that I need something else. But that defines where we are, many of us, our life. But we take these things for granted. We take them for Please don't let us take them for Let's make a big deal of every. And that's how to defeat the effect of those negative experiences. Because they define us. They, overweight, they, 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 they crowd everything and they make sure we cannot keep a, an attitude of faith. So we must not forget his benefit. We must keep an attitude of thanksgiving. We must build memoria. Build personal memoria for yourself. Personal memoria. You know, a celebration of what God has done. A celebration of good things, those landmarks in your life, those times it looked like you were not going to be able to get into college, you got into one. Those times it looked like you may never be able to finish college, you finish. Those times it looked like you may never be able to get a job, you got a job. Those times it looked like you may never survive that sickness. Now you're alive, you're surviving. Those times it looked like things would never work. And many of us have passed through several of that. But what happened? The enemy makes sure... The memory of the bad ones is what we keep. And that's the next point I'm wondering. We must learn to forget bad experiences. And Apostle Paul has different ways of putting this. And if you look at the context, most times he's talking about experiencing in the past that weigh us down, that pull us back. That's where he says in, you know, in Philippians 3, you know, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have yet taken over. But one thing I do, I forget what is behind. I strain towards, there's always a better thing ahead. There's always better things ahead. There's always a better outcome. There's always a better promise. Your future is better than your past and even your present in the mighty name of Jesus. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and stream in the wasteland. Just because it doesn't work, just because you have applied for a job a thousand times and you did not get a call, don't let that define your experience. Don't let that define your life. Forget them. Learn to forget former things. Learn to forget the, former, the bad experiences you've had. Some of us have had rocky marriage at some point. We had a couple of years in our marriage where things were rough. That's what we hold on to. That's what we remember. The disappointment. What he's done. What she's done. That's what we hold on. And that's what defines your marriage. Forget about the million things he or she has done. Forget the former things. Ephesians 4, 31, 32 says, get rid of all bitterness. What is bitterness? It is keeping memory of bad experiences, Right? Say, get rid of bitterness, get rid of rage, get rid of anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Malice is when we keep those things, memory of those negative experiences. We must forget them. Because even God forgets them. That's the definition of forgiveness, right? Choosing to forget the heart. Things that were done against us. Even God says in Hebrews 8, 12, 
I will forgive their wickedness, and I will remember their sins no more. You know, God says, I won't remember your sin no more. For some of us, that we need to hear that, that God does not remember it anymore. You are the one that still keeps it in your diary. And God said, I have actually thrown it into the sea of forgetfulness. I don't remember it. I don't, when I see you, I don't remember it. I don't look at those things. I don't remember that, oh, you once committed abortion. You this murderer. You this. No, no, I don't go. I don't, I don't remember that. I don't remember that, oh, you once cheated on your, you know, your spouse or you want, you know, I don't remember that. I don't, I don't remember that you used to do this. You, no, 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 no. I have moved on past that. That is what is called forgiveness. I want you to say, I have been forgiven. And it's so hard for many of us to actually feel forgiven. But that's the definition of it. Forgiveness is choosing to forget. And he wants us to extend that to other people, choosing to forget, choosing to move on. Why is it important? The devil tries on us forgetting God's goodness. That's, that's how the devil wins. He wants to keep those one or two things. That's what he wants it. That's what he wants it. And many of us here, our life is defined by some negative experience. And I want to pray for you today that you will be released from those. Because it's the devil that uses that. He uses our natural weakness. First of all, it's our natural human nature, which you call Adamic nature, to amplify negative experiences, right? And to, you know, minimize positive ones. And the enemy seizes the advantage, all right? It, and that's all he does. He takes advantage of our weakness. And he locks us in. And many of us, there are people here, your life is defined by a few negative experiences you've had, and it's harder for you to move on. It's harder for you to really, truly experience God. Your memory is not of faith. You don't have a faith memory. You don't have a memory that can walk, you know, that can, that can walk with your faith, that can move you along. What you remember is disappointment upon disappointment. When you look at your life, the thing that stands out to you is disappointment upon disappointment. The things that didn't work, things that, you know, maybe loss in your family, maybe things, times that you got close to achieving something and you never did, those are things that stand, up, stand out and they have become a stronghold. That's, the, that's the, the bad thing about negative memory. They become a stronghold. Is it stronghold that... You know, the war that the enemy, they are, they, are, they are like forts. They are war that the enemy build, you know, in some portion of our mind to hold us captive. And he hides there. You know, the military in those days, they will build a fort and they hide in the fort, right? And there are holes and they shoot from that. You know, when you go to some of these fort digs, fort that, that's kind of, that's the image. And that's where the enemy builds a stronghold in those areas in our mind. Our mind is powerful. It's, it's so complex. It can be compartmentalized. So the enemy builds strongholds in those areas and hide there and torment you from there. And get you down, shoot you down. And you constantly, you are weighed down. 
you know, you are dragged behind, you are not able to move. When you move a few steps forward, he has a way of shooting at you and drag you back. And I want to pray for a few people today. But I'll read a scripture and we're going to pray this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5. I want all of us to read it together. It should be on the screen. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5. Can we read it together? The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they are divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish argument and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. God's weapon, they can demolish strongholds. And every stronghold in your life shall be demolished in Jesus. Every argument, every pretension that is contending against the knowledge of God in your life shall be brought down in Jesus. I want us to pray. I want us to pray. Can we rise up? Rise up. I just like to pray. Just like to pray. Thank you, Father. If you can just have uh, music on the background, please, while we just pray. We're out of time, but I just want us to, I want to pray. I want to ask. Holy Spirit, we invite you. Can we lift up our hands and just receive? I want you to receive. I want you to receive. Holy Spirit, I'm inviting you now. I'm inviting you. I'm inviting you into every life here. Being held captive of negative experiences. Some of them is a trauma. It's a trauma you've gone through that has come to define who you are, define your life. Some of you is disappointment. It's a disappointment you've gone through that has come to define even who you are as a person, your nature, the choices you make, your emotion, your feeling, how you view yourself. That disappointment is what control is. Is the controlling factor. Holy Spirit, I'm inviting you into every life right now who has gone through this. Father, I really feel led to really ask, make a call. Maybe a few people here that you, you've been defined by two, those two things. I mean, if you look at your life, even how you view yourself, things, your day is is viewed from that standpoint of a trauma or a disappointment you've gone through in life. And you want to be free from that. You know that's not... I like to pray for you. I like you to step forward. And I like to just pray for you. Hallelujah. Thank you. If you're in that, just, just come, 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 come up. I like to just pray with you. I like to just pray with you. I like to just pray with you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord, this service is for you. The Lord created this for you because He wants to set you free. They have become stronger. They control you. They dominate you. 
That's the enemy using your natural weakness, our natural inclination, you know, to defeat you, to weaken you, to reduce you. And I want you to say no more. I want you to say no more. I will no longer be defined by my trauma. I will no longer be defined by my disappointment. I am a child of God. I am not a slave to fear. I'm not a slave to disappointment. I'm not a slave to my past experience. I'm a child of God. I have a future in Christ. I have a hope in Christ. I am free. Free to be who God wants me to be. Free to be what God wants me to be. I am free to soar. I'm free to run in the mighty name of Jesus. I want you to lift up your hands. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you now to just move in this place. I'm asking you to begin to just go to that stronghold now. I want you to go there, Holy Spirit. I invite you to just go there now and begin to pull them down. I pull down every stronghold. I pull down every wall, every stronghold erected by the enemy in their mind, in their emotion, in their feeling that that has come to define who they are, that has come to really hinder them, hold them back, define who they are. Holy Spirit, I'm asking in Jesus' name, you will just move and flow in the mighty name of Jesus. I'm asking you that you will begin to destroy those strongholds. I pull them down now in the mighty name of Jesus. I pull them down now in the mighty name of Jesus. I pull them down now. I pull them down now in the mighty name of Jesus. I pull them down now. I declare you are free. You are no longer bound. You are no longer controlled by that experience. You are no longer controlled by your trauma. You are no longer controlled by your disappointment because it doesn't define you in the mighty name of Jesus. You are defined by your relationship with Jesus. You are defined by how God views you, how he sees you. He sees you as valuable. He sees you as love. He sees you as important. He sees you as a victor. For some of you, if he sees you, he values you because you've overcome those experiences. So for him, you are a victor. You are not a victim. You are victorious. You are still standing. You are still here. That's how he sees you. And that's how he wants you to see yourself from now on in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. We give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Can we put our hands together and celebrate what God has done? We can go back to our...